When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon. Welcome into the run home on SENZ. It is Tuesday, the 24th of January. Great to have you back with us today, Beef. How's your Tuesday? What have you been up to today? Oh, she's been a hectic day. It's a stressful day today, Kirst. Uh, yeah, well, often you guys tell you me. You don't get stressed. Uh, well, Nothing I did today. stresses you out, Beef. Well, I did today because you guys often tell me that I'm close to getting my gold card and uh, there, was, there was something that was going to unfold today which possibly sent me a little bit closer there. I've been oh. having, yes, a bit of a sign of old age I thought was creeping into my world. Um, I've been having an eye issue over the break. Uh, one in particular has been very irritable uh, to the point that it was actually fatiguing and I was walking around with one eye open half the time uh, at about 11 o'clock in the morning. So it was quite awkward there, um, especially when you're trying to drive a boat or something. But uh, today, finally got my optometrist appointment, and I was going in there, fearing the worst. Well, not fearing the worst, but I... I what did you expected... think? You were going blind. Well, I expected to come home um, looking like Clark Kent, I told the wife. Um, and I was going... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going There's in There's only for... one Clark Kent. <laughs> I thought I was going in and coming out of specs. Um, <laughs> however, um, I got uh, diagnosed uh, with a very rare condition that I'd never heard of, um, that the issue with my eye was, in fact, um, an ingrown eyelash or two. An ingrown eyelash? Yes. So what so they, that means you don't see any hair on the outside, but these are poking back into your skin. Yes, so they're poking back into my eye. How eyeball. does that even happen? How are they growing backwards? Yeah. Don't know. Uh, these eyelashes aren't normal, they reckon. Um, so that was, that was the irritable uh, sensation that I was feeling because I was telling the lady, look, I've, it feels like I've got something in there, but I've, you know, had a decent look. Other people have had a look. There's no sign of anything in there. And uh, she said, no, that's what it would have been. And then so they put you up. They put your face right up against this thing. And they just get these, I, I presume they were little... Are they scissors? Little scissors clip mm. it and clip away at me. Well, getting and, close uh, to your eyeball with scissors. Yeah, yeah. So obviously highly skilled um, people. Well, you could have ended up with glasses or maybe worse by the end of that. <laughs> if I'd sneezed, yeah, it could have been all over. But uh, no, that, so that was a good result for me in the end. I must say. Well, that's a great result. So now you can yeah. see there's no more irritable eyes and driving the boat with one eye. No, no. Thank so God. That, yes, it was. It was a bit of a uh, bit of a concern. I actually had the kids for a couple of days by myself over the uh, holidays, and we were. You can only see half of them. Yeah, we were, we were cruising along at about eleven o'clock at, in the morning, and I was like, "Jeepers, that eye's about to shut." Uh, just fatiguing on me, so. It was a bit of a funny sensation there for a few days, but uh, good to know, just an ingrown. That is freaky, but I'm um, glad you're okay now, Beef. No glasses, no Clark Kent. Alex will be disappointed. <laughs> She's still got yeah. Stephen Donald at home. Yeah, well, maybe she'll just buy me a pair of glasses. I don't know. but uh, yeah. You might suit them, Beef. <laughs> it's been said before. You never know. You never yeah. know until you try. <laughs> uh, well, you know what today is. Today is Tuesday, and... It is Teamless Tuesday. Teamless Tuesday is officially back for 2023 on the run home on SENZ. Uh, all brought to you by Road Effects by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move our show. But today we're doing things a little bit differently. 
Today we're naming a first 11 rather than a first 15. Do you want to reveal our topic or should I? You reveal the topic, but the first 11 makes sense. It's cricket season. It's cricket season. So until we change to rugby season, we are going to play with a first 11. Today's Teamless Tuesday topic, the team we will be naming is, uh, well, it's an ode to our incoming Prime Minister. Incoming tomorrow. Uh, So today... Our Teamless Tuesday is political figures, political icons, prime ministers, presidents, uh, political leaders. So let us know, double eight double three on the Temperin bedpost text line or 0800 150 811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. Have you got a suggestion of a political figure that could turn into a cricketing icon? Well, straight off the bat, I think of... Nice pun guess, there. Ah, wasn't even intended. Um, I'm thinking of one of our most uh, famous, infamous, call them what you will, politicians, and I'm thinking the great Winston Peters would oh, be I love something Winnie. behind the stumps. Could you imagine Winnie oh, behind smitty, the stumps he? just chipping away, sledging the batsmen as they come in constantly? He would just be at you. So he, he would be my suggestion uh, to don the gloves. It. Yeah. There you go, double eight, double three. Get at us. We want to hear from you today. We are going big for this Teamless Tuesday, our first one on the run home for the year. Political figures, prime ministers, presidents. Uh, don't just think New Zealand. You can think worldwide as well. Put Abraham Lincoln in there, if you will. Winston Churchill, the most famous leaders of all time. This is your chance to do it, uh, and we want to hear from you today because, after all, it is your Teamless Tuesday, but a little bit different, as we say, with a twist. It's cricketing season, so we're naming our first 11. Winston Peters isn't a bad shout. Yes, I'm just thinking a friend of the show, John Key. Yes. Uh, right honourable. Maybe coming in at first drop, he strikes me as a number three batsman, um, someone to carry his bat through the innings for everyone else to bat around. He strikes me as that sort of guy. Who is he? Who's he in your cricketing uh, icon? He's, Kane, well, he's, oh, he's the cane. Is he the steady the he's ship? Ricky, he's Ricky Ponting. Uh, if you will. Mm, I like it, Beav. I like it. Great suggestions uh, from you. And we've got suggestions rolling through already thick and fast. Keep them coming on double eight, double three. And don't forget that the Makita New Zealand phone line is open. All show 0800 is the number to call every week for the caller of the week right here on the run home. You can be in to win a $250 Makita New Zealand voucher. That is every week we'll be giving away a $200 Makita New Zealand uh, voucher. But back to Teamless Tuesday brought to you by Kennard's Hire. Winston Churchill has been voted, Beeve. Yes, Not he's as been a player. The, <laughs> no, the bowler's end. The bowler's end umpire. Uh, brilliant. Um, this one from Daniel. Uh, Trump to be the umpire. Again, not as, not as someone in our first 11, but as the umpire. Uh, you're fired, of course, from Trump's There'd be no one day. left. There'd be no one on the crease. You'd have no not, game. It's not bad. Um, from his, what was this show called? The Apprentice. The Apprentice. Yes. Mm. Prior to being the, uh, the, the leader of the, the most uh, powerful, powerful country in the world. <laughs> it's a good grounding, isn't it? Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> Richard uh, has sent, uh, sent you a few wise words, Beef. Yeah, just some well wishes. Um, just hopes that uh, I don't have any such issues elsewhere. Um, thank you, Richard. And thank and you for your, Yeah, and thank you for your concern. Um, I do appreciate the listeners 
uh, feedback here, Kirst. Um, <laughs> Neil's, Neil's just concerned in general about me. Beavers in the ward, lash in the eye, glass in the foot. There you go. He is. He is in the wars, isn't he? He can't do anything at the moment. Bad things, bad things come in threes too, don't they? Yes. I hope there isn't anything else. Well, thank you for raising the fact that there could be something else coming my way. Well, look, uh, I just want to alert you just to keep an eye out, two eyes out. Uh, <laughs> things may be going down in the next week or so. We do not want you to injure yourself again. <laughs> this is correct. And now I can keep two eyes open. So it is really, really positive in my world right now. And Michael, he wants to know about your show, Kirst. When's that starting up again? Breakdown. Uh, I do believe we will be back on air Sundays once again. We'll be back the week before Super Rugby starting, so the 19th for a preview, I, th- I believe. I believe, it Michael. Comes but quick. It does come around quick. And speaking of rugby, the All Blacks are actually in camp this week. Uh, they've slipped into Christchurch, I believe, day one today. Uh, they've been... Uh, put through their paces doing a Bronco, which we know, Beav, is the fitness test that all of these yes. players do before Super Rugby uh, to check out where they are at and if the off-season has caught up on them. You reckon it's caught up on any of these All Blacks? Well, you'd have to be fairly comfortable All Black to let it catch up on you because I guess there's so much riding on this year and there's so much speculation. Everyone enjoys a bit of summer though, don't they? Oh, they do, but... Uh... You know, that uh, fitness tests are a sure sign of how much you've enjoyed your summer. And uh, it's just a whether or not, uh, I guess, how certain you are of going to the World Cup, how relaxed you can be, I guess. At this time of year, a month out from Super Rugby, these All Blacks haven't yet joined uh, their Super Rugby franchises, but they're in camp. Some of them have been back in, but they're yeah, not officially back, are they? No, no, but I think. What a lot is their of them expected level for this Bronco? Is it to be at their very best fitness level right now? No, it probably wouldn't be the very best. I know the guys going to Super Rugby right now would be expected to be, you know, producing their absolute best. But uh, for our All Blacks, not, for the not all, quite yet. No, nah, for the All Blacks, there's a bit more leeway. Um, and obviously, again, depending on where you sit in the All Black picking order, probably a little bit more leeway too as far as how much, you know, you, you enjoyed your break and just had a clean break from rugby. But most of these days, Kirst, I think keep a, keep a relatively uh, decent standard of fitness over the break. Uh, well, this this is interesting, this camp. Um, it's sort of come out of nowhere, hasn't it? Because more than 40 players are in camp for a number of days. They don't normally do this type of no. camp where they get these All Blacks together. They normally, the, super, the All Blacks coaches and selectors go into the different Super Rugby uh, franchises and visit their All Blacks and let them know what their plans are for the year and, and whatnot and do those types of visits, but they don't actually physically get them in camp together. Here they are. What are we? Eight months out from the Rugby World Cup. They know that this is a big year and that they've yeah. got some work to do, Beef. Yeah, it is fascinating because there's no way I would... Not a, not a hope in hell that they'll be doing anything rugby-related. It seems that it's very much just get everyone in together. Um yeah, it does seem quite an interesting um, situation. Certainly not from what I've gathered that's happened before. Um, but World Cup, yeah, I guess uh, Fozzie's well off on his rights to, to do what he wants with them and get them when he wants. So I'd love to know, is it everyone that's played for the All Blacks last year maybe? When you when you think of 44, I wonder what the number was. Maybe that incorporates everyone that 
has played for the All Blacks last Including year. Including like or, Jack Goodhue. He's obviously back yeah. at training with the Crusaders but wasn't involved last year. Someone like that would presumably be in this environment. Everyone yeah. that's played for the All Blacks in the past, be it one test, 10 minutes or 100 tests. I saw Fletcher Newell in the video. Um, he's in there. He's training with the other guys. It put up a new PB again. Yeah, oh, bless. The fella can he, squat. He, he got a fair bit of action there towards the back end mm. when uh, Jay Shrine took over. So uh be no surprises there. But it would be interesting to know, and they probably haven't, but like an uncapped, an uncapped player, have they, have they seen enough to say you're going to be very, very about so you start to bring you in? Make you feel comfortable? Is there a... But they would have gone on the end of your tour then last year, wouldn't they? Hasn't been that long since they've come back from the Northern Hemisphere. No, but did stuff happen on the end of your tour where they either made their mind up about someone who was on that New Zealand A tour? Or Oh, I know, see where you're going here. Yeah. You're thinking someone, about great friends of the show. Has someone caught the eye? Well, not even that. I mean... Is Damien McKenzie in camp? Presumably he will be, right? It'd have to be. Yeah. It'd have to, I mean, the time for... So basically to, you're picking the All Blacks squad that went to the Northern Hemisphere and half of that All Blacks A team as well will be at this All Blacks camp right now. You'd think so. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Luke Jacobson's, I mean, yeah. All these guys that were in that A team. I mean, they put pictures of them, some of them up on social media. Can we can we work, can't work it out by uh, who's been the picture put up or are they only putting up the absolute lock-ins that you'd expect to be there? Well, you're no good at social media, so we'll leave it to Manaya and Jacob to look, do yes. a little bit of stalking and see what they can find out. But it is very, very uh, interesting. Uh, coming up on the Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery, it is Teamless Tuesday today, brought to you by Kennards Hire. We want your messages, so keep them coming on double eight double three, and we'll get to those uh, in a moment. We're catching up with Brendan Popperwell from the TAB today and the not-so-hot topic of the day, as we do every day. After 5 o'clock, we play Drive to Survive. We've got $100. TAB bonus bet voucher up for grabs. Nathan McCullum, former Black Cap, is coming on the program to talk the Black Clash in Christchurch, which Team Cricket won over the weekend, but also the Black Caps who are playing their third ODI against India tonight. That one starts at 9pm. After 6 o'clock, the Australian Open is into the quarterfinals. Live quarterfinals action is coming up on SENZ as well, on our app or on radio. You can listen to it all night long. And we've got James Gray, who's a reporter out of Australia, coming on to speak about that. We'll name our team list Tuesday after 6 o'clock, and we have the instant replay as well. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. This is the run home on SENZ, and today, it is Teamless Tuesday brought to you by Kennard's Hire. Plenty of texts coming in. Winston Peters getting a number of votes, Beef. Keeper and yes. opening batsman be hard to get out. We'll be there all day, every day. And Nelson <laughs> Mandela's had a vote as well at number three. Obama also, fast opening bowler. Brendan, a- those, those are some, some texts, to be fair, and suggestions and some great rationale. The Winston Peters keeper, yes, and opening batsman. That is brilliant. Uh, he's a survivor. He'll be there to the end. Uh, I get the rationale there. Nelson Mandela, number three. I like that too. Trump on the bench for some. Um, what does he bring off the bench? Don't know. Don't know. The umpire one I like. Uh, Ken for Rahul Gandhi. Opening. Cheers. Um, and this one I like. Um, Jerry Brownlee. Surely bat pad. Big power hitter at number seven. Would go close to beating David Burns' record for most cans consumed on the flight to England as well. 
because um, you probably need to Google David Byrne, um, and then you'll see the relevance of that text there from Pub. You've used but, that uh, joke before, Beef. He is very similar. <laughs> Thank you very much. You have used that joke before. Well, do you know who David Byrne is? Yes, and you've because you've told me to Google him before. Oh, okay. So very similar Last looking year. man, or maybe oh, even a year before. <laughs> Uh, but that's great, Leighton. That is great. Keep them coming. Double eight, double three is the number to text. And today's Teamless Tuesday is a first eleven. Actually, we want you to link up iconic political figures or infamous political figures with iconic cricketing stars. So, where would you put some of our prime ministers, our politicians, our presidents? Where would they fit into a first eleven? And who are you putting in there? Great nominations uh, coming in so far. So, thank you very much for that. Uh, we've had a text coming in saying Zan Sullivan may be there. Well, I just tried to stalk the All Blacks Instagram and zoom in on the pictures. Mark Tilley is there, so he's very well in the mix after those uh, two matches he had last year, isn't he? Well, absolutely, he would be. He obviously started the last two test matches, but Ken, we must we must tell the people that was Ken who texted the fact that Zan Sullivan's there. I'd be surprised. Wouldn't you? Yeah, he wouldn't. he's not there, is he? No, no. Come on, Ken. No. You'd this will be in every person that's ever had an All Blacks cap or um, minute before is is in this environment right now. And it's actually going to be hard to, to nail that list down from 40-odd to... 33, isn't it? The starters yeah. are easy, but how you make up the rest of the squad will be quite tricky. It is going to be very interesting where they end up, and, and you can put your bottom dollar on it. There will be a bolter. Well, there's someone, a few injured at the moment. Well, someone's going to fall from the fall from the clouds this year in Super Rugby. It always happens. Mm. There's always someone that comes out of nowhere for your World Cup team, so maybe it's another outside back. That's usually, I'm just thinking, Nehe, Milda Scudder of 215. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sevus and, and George Bridges really came out of pretty much nowhere for 219, didn't they, really? They were just starting their days. So you'd have to think there'll be still someone. There will be, and that's why Super Rugby this season is going to be so, so important, and it will be appointment viewing in a month's time. Speaking about rugby, well... There's been a lot of talk about England changing their tackle heights. If you haven't heard about it, uh, obviously in professional rugby, below the shoulders, that's where you've got to tackle. New Zealand rugby has brought in a new rule for their community rugby game, the first 15 up through uh, the premier grades, and they're now saying you have to tackle below the sternum, um, which there was a little bit of uproar about that when they brought that rule in last year, Beeve. People saying, how do you monitor that? Everyone's sternums are different. Righty, righty, ra. Well, now England have taken a drastic decision in their community game, and you have to tackle below the waist. Yeah, and maybe I wonder if they've gone below the waist because then if there's a margin for error, they're not going to clamp down on it. Between so, where? Your waist and your sternum. And then, your, and then your sternum, as opposed to sternum, and then your margin for error from sternum is you're getting close to the head. I, I don't know if there's that sort of leeway. Well, the reason why it's resurfaced, even though um, the story came out a week or so ago, is because the Six Nations was launched today in the UK and basically every coach has come out saying it's ridiculous. It's a silly law. And there'll actually be more accidents and more harm done with this law change in those grades where people don't know how to tackle properly. Yeah, there is argument for that. I mean, even in the professional game, I I noticed there, there was a phase there towards the end of my days where the, the the concept of chop tackling was the buzzword, and uh, 
that was all about getting the guy obviously to the ground as quick as you could, and that and that involved guys going extremely low and uh, and getting them down. I mean, it's not something I ever got involved in because I never tackled low at all. Curse, I never tackled to be fair. But the chop tackling, you, I mean, we used to practice it intently at training, and there were concussions all the time at training. So there is an aspect of what those coaches are saying. Uh, there's some truth to it because if you don't know how to tackle properly, going down beneath the waist, you're going to get knees, you're going to get hips all colliding with heads if it's not coached and known properly. You actually like the idea of having different rules for, yes. for your club and community players than your professional players though, right? Not just when it comes to tackle height but other rules no. as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm big on anyone that's listened to Run Home for a while, I'm big on the waiver. Uh, once you play the professional game, you sign a waiver because, I mean, They'll never admit it, but the thing that scares all these governing bodies of, of world rugby are people coming back at them, you know. Well, it's happening to, now, isn't it? Yeah, and we're still to find out where that lands. Um, that current lawsuit, which, yeah, it's gone a bit quiet at the moment, but apparently that's still bubbling away. But I think things like, I think, and even in Auckland or New Zealand rugby, I think up to first 15 level, I don't think there's allowed to be a competition in the air for high balls, which, you know, you'd hate to see in the professional game because... You know, if you're getting to the level of being a professional rugby player, then you've got to be able to go in the air and take a high ball as a winger or a fullback. So I've got no issue with that at that level. I would still, in the professional game, like to see a bit more brutality in the ruck uh, as far as guys being able to clean out without fear of being sent off if they got it marginally wrong. Where, And again, you wouldn't want to see that in the community game because old Jimmy, who's got to be a plumber on the tools by Monday... Yeah doesn't need to go go there on a sad day and be put off to play our great game because he's worried about doing a shoulder or doing a neck or what have you. So I think there is real real merit in having rules for community game and rules for professional game. I know the argument that's coming out from the UK as far as how is that preparing the next group of professionals, I don't think it's a big shift. Well, I think if you're, if you're a good tackler around the waist from the age of 5 to 18, I think you're then going to be able to do what's required for you once you hit 18 and you're in the professional game. We've got to go to news and sport with Johnny Mac. We can't be late, but we want to get your feedback on this as well. And we've already got some messages coming through. We'll get to you in a moment. Well, there's a number of texts coming through about uh, the tackle height rules, Beeve. Uh, where do we start? They should learn how to tackle properly because that's the way it used to be around the legs and waist. Absolutely. That's how we all grew up, wasn't it? Uh, either tackling the tyres at training, so you'd uh, basically get your arm through the, uh, the rolling tube and, and stuff like that. So there's probably, there's probably a lot more a lot more effort put into teaching uh, the skills at younger age than probably there is now. I, a lot of it, you know... I, you know is it because of know. time? And... Uh, I mean, I mean, this is, this, we're drifting off into a whole other world now, but there's an argument to say that because of, you know, say at first 15 in schoolboy rugby, it's all about winning for a lot of these schools. That Are we actually coaching the basic skills still at that level? You know, are we teaching kids how to tackle or are we teaching people just to get by so we can have our structures and all that sort of rubbish sorted at that age because we just want to win on the weekend and uh, and get on get on TV sort of thing. So there's, that's a whole other world again. But, yeah, I th- the the basics uh, that, that Tex alluded to certainly... Uh, certainly would be a good place to start. Well, Mark says, how are you supposed to stop someone on your try line around the waist? Rules are just killing the game. Well, the same can be said even without that rule there, Mark, because you can 
I can just envision, you know, how the guys are picking and going around the corners of racks, and they're literally just offering their neck or their sh- uh, head to someone as they're scavenging over the line nice and low. Well, guys put their shoulder into someone and they and they hit the back of their neck and they're sent off. You know, so absolutely, Mark, the rules, the rules, the rules are often made up by people I don't think have actually got any common sense when it comes to playing the game at times. But anyway. We'll get back to the temper and bed post text line in a moment. But first, time to head to the TAB with Brennan Popperwell. Bet live in your favourite sports and racing at the tab.co.nz. BP, how's it going? How was your Wellington anniversary weekend? Good, thanks, Kirst. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hey, it doesn't affect me when I'm in the Tron, but uh, <laughs> I'll be looking forward to this week coming up, Kirst. That's the one I'm looking forward to when we get to celebrate the Monday coming up with the Auckland anniversary. But from from what I'm hearing, Paul Mawadi had a lovely Monday off. Were you at the Karaka Million on the weekend? Certainly was, yep. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, certainly different not being at Ellerslie. It was, uh, but they did a great job uh, because um, with, with the atmosphere that was there and, and, and not having boys get paid was probably the big one because they bring a lot more extra energy and you know, energy you don't find at race meetings. So I go to a lot of meetings throughout the year, but when they're there, they really just lift it to another notch and bring chance and everything else to it. So it wasn't there, which was unfortunate, but what we did have was a, a great day of racing, terrific night of racing, in fact, and a great crowd of people that were there to, to enjoy it. So, yeah, that was, it was a bumper night. And BP, uh, be rude of us since our first first show back. Uh, with you, you haven't got a suggestion for team list first 11 being summer season, um, for a politician of uh, of yesteryear or even today that would uh, warrant selection somewhere? Um, early favourites, yeah. Winston Peters, bat, batting keeper at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see Winnie playing a role <laughs> like that. Look, I've actually, I've actually played a lot of cricket with Kieran McAnulty, and he, of course, is uh, uh, the Minister of, of Racing himself, and uh, he, he's a very talented cricketer, uh, is Kieran. Of course, he is part of the politicians team that plays, oh, I'd say, a handful of games throughout the year. Um, I know that they have, they seem to get a fairly tidy team. Grant Robinson, actually, is, is not the worst player, but um, I, I'd put Kieran McAnulty in that team. Uh, I think he's, he's a bit of a young buck. He'd be a, a player that could be dynamic and sort of playing that five, six, seven role. Uh, could be a bit of a finisher. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd like to have him in there somewhere. Where's John Key? Where's John Key going to play? He has to play some sort of part in this in this team. Um, he obviously is a very good golfer, uh, so surely he can be somewhere at the top of the order. Yeah, I had him at number three. I thought someone that uh, you could bat the innings around. Uh, he strikes me as, a, as maybe like a Kane Williamson, Ricky Ponting sort of cricketer. Um, mm. Yeah, just just something to really solidify things around. There's some there's some great votes coming, and and it's probably just as well you suggested someone with a bit of youth because we've got people like Bob Hawke, uh, Ronald Muldoon, uh, even <laughs> Ronald Gandhi. Muldoon? <laughs> Not Ronald. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got you, uh, Robert Muldoon. That was. I'm just reading what the text said. Um, so I'm sorry, they're cursed. Uh, you know, I read exactly what's in front of me. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of votes. Uh, moving right along before my pronunciation gets attacked too much. Uh, Aussie Open tennis, mate. Starting to heat up. Yep. It is. It is. Uh, and, look, so far, the money's all centred around Djokovic winning this. And with the amount of money we're seeing, it sounds like it's already a done deal. So, uh, look, he's $1.36. Uh, look, the only query with him is if if any opponent pushes him, you know, to a real tough five-set slog with, 
with the hamstring issues that he's having. But look, if you can sort of put that to one side, the dollar thirty six is the price that's available if you want to uh, test the waters. And really, we're just seeing a number of sort of thousand dollar bets through him at a dollar sixty and, and a lot of multis. So that, that, that's where it sits with Djokovic. What, what I will say, there's an interesting player that's been played tonight in the women's single, and that's uh, Jessica Pagula. She's a dollar thirty eight and very well back to win the tournament. So $1.38 tonight might be one you can look into to run through some multis. Uh, that game will be at 9 o'clock tonight. Um, of course, we've got the cricket as well tonight too, so maybe a chance of a bit of uh, channel swapping uh, throughout the evening if you like something in the tennis and, and something to play into the Black Caps. Now, I will say around the Black Caps match, we've seen a little bit of money for them in the dead rubber. Uh, three twenty is their price, and we've seen some money towards that three twenty mark. India are $1.33. You'd have to be a brave man to back the Black Caps on their previous performance, but maybe in a match where, as I said, it's a dead rubber, we could see a better performance from them. The power plays, there's a lot of good power plays here uh, for both of you guys here. Any two players out for a duck is $3. Yes, money for that option. Um, and a, a couple of Kiwi options. Michael Bracewell to score 25 runs and to take two wickets. Uh, that's currently at $6. That's taking a few nibbles. What about this one? Uh, Bracewell and Santner to combine for 60 runs and three-plus wickets. Eight bucks. I don't mind that. Yeah. Well, they're both batting well, aren't they? I mean, both yes. Bracewell and Santner have scored runs in the two matches. They've shown they can take wickets as well. So, look, you could get it done with one batsman. Um, if if, if um, Bracewell bats like he did in the first game, um, you could get your 60 runs that way. So, yeah, look, that might be a, a bit of a watch at the $8 price. So, um, yeah, go through that. Hattrick, Hattrick gets played every game. That's $31 uh, if you believe there's going to be a Hattrick. So um, if, you're, if you're that way inclined. But yeah, there's a bit of money around the Black Caps, as I said, at the 320 price in the head-to-head market. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on, BP. It's good to have you back. Awesome. Cool. We'll catch up soon, guys. Talk soon. Yes, Brendan Popperwell there from the TAB. Bet live in your favourite sports and racing at the tab.co.nz. Keep your messages coming in for our Teamless Tuesday brought to you by Kennards Hire as well. We've got a number of votes coming in for spin bowlers. As you said, Beef, Ronald Muldoon, a.k.a. Rob Muldoon, batting yes. at six or seven and spin bowling from Jamie and Wanaka. Yeah, I think Jamie just got done over on the uh, predictive text. And you I remember just got done Bob? Over. Yeah, I, I know exactly who he's talking about. Think he'd make um, a good spinner? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, politicians, do we consider Inran Khan? He went an OK cricket, of course, the great Pakistani captain. Uh, and was it? Prime Minister. Prime Minister of Pakistan, I do believe. So he would certainly make this team, um, although we'd have to open a few technicalities to allow actually a former superstar cricketer um, in there. And... Uh, what about this one? Ukraine's president, uh, is it Zelensky? Yes, it is Zelensky. Yeah, yeah to open up. Uh, it can stand up to a fierce as fast bowling, Chris reckons. So, well, it's a, it's a pretty good rationale, to be fair. Well, Zelensky's coming uh, multiple times over. Another vote for him to come in as coach, uh, a, long playing, a long player like Mike Hesson. There you go. Uh, Bob Hawke. With a boon drinking record and Larrikin fast bowler. Uh, and Nixon is a tricky spinner from President uh, from Nixon. Yes. We're getting some greats in here, aren't we? We're getting yeah. some uh, some very famous, uh, iconic 
presidential, prime ministerial uh, candidates that uh, different nations have had in the past. Thank you for all of your votes so far. Keep them coming through on double eight double three on the temper and bedpost text line or give us a bell 0800 150 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. Well, when you're talking about political figures, they don't come more iconic than the mayor of Invercargill, do they, Beef? No, the great Tim Shadbolt. Tim We're- Shadbolt has been voted... Uh, as a spinner and in it tend to hang around for a long time from Yvonne. <laughs> Did anyone hang around longer as far as the mayor of this city? Is there? Uh, does anyone else know yes, the name of any other mayor in the country? Uh, yeah, the, the mayor of Waimati actually was the longest serving mayor. What's his name or her name? Uh, David, why is his last name blanking on me? Um, let me Google that quickly. But he was the longest sitting mayor um, in New Zealand. Because no one else wanted to do it. And when he retired, the district was in a furor because now someone else has to bloody do it. <laughs> and what, they can't find anyone that wants to no put their hand up? No one can be bothered. Do you remember last year when Timaru was having the mayoral election and no one put their hand up for it? South Canterbury just famously can't be asked. <laughs> well, John, John Key's got some uh, pressure here for his number three role because uh, Ted's texting uh, Maggie Thatcher. The Iron Lady to play the same role as Rahul Dravid, who was, of course, known as the Wall, and uh, for the innings to be based around, even in those superstar Indian batting lineups of yesteryear that included Ganguly and Tendulkar. David, Say wag, if you will. Sorry, David Owen, uh, 1983 to 2004. So that is 21 years as mayor. Wow. A, What's Tim Shadbow? He must be knocking on the door. Uh, talk among yourselves. I'll be back with Tim Shabbos numbers in just a moment. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mnaya. Um, Jacinda Ardur getting multiple votes as well. First yes. change bowler. She'll keep one end locked down. Yes. Uh, Spin merchant. Put... <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. Not uh, so good with defe- deflecting the ball down to the boundary, though. And out uh, in the second innings. Before coming Before back. coming back for the third. Uh, brilliant there, Jeff. And she didn't yes. ground her bat. Of course. Teamless Tuesdays, as she means. Inspired today by, well, I guess incoming, but also the reason we're having an incoming is we've gone outgoing. Yes. Uh, what did you think of all the news that erupted last week, Beef? Were you surprised? Oh, look, it wasn't across a lot of it until probably, I was a bit late getting to the party of knowing that. Oh, uh, really? You didn't find out straight away like the rest of the country? No, it's, it's uh, I think. I suppose you're probably under the knife or something. Well, I, I must say, I keep across the sports news, um, my general knowledge of current affairs. Uh, isn't flash. This would surprise you, I know, Kirst. Uh, so uh, I think my wife told me about 24 hours later. Tim uh, Shadbolt, so. 1998 to 2022. That's 24 years actually outstripped David Owen. Oh. Longest running mayor in the country. But where is he now? Still mayor, isn't so he? So he's still in Invercargill, yeah, but no, yeah, no, yeah. Nobby Clark's the uh, mayor down there in Invercargill Oh, now. he's not it anymore. No. Well, um, and they make Nobby. our team. Teamless Tuesday today, our first 15 of Prime Ministers, Presidents, political leaders, world leaders, if you will. Double eight, double three is the number to text through. But it is time very shortly to talk our not so hot topic of the day. You'll want to hear this one.
Not too far away from five o'clock and it is time for the not-so-hot topic of the day. Yesterday was an absolute cracker or a sizzler, you could say. The sausage sizzler, we've still got no answer to who is pranking the neighbours' letterboxes on Waiheke Island. But today, Mariah's got a different topic for us. We, uh, I don't think we've talked about this off uh, on air, but we talk a lot off air about Taika Waititi's love life. Um, what do you mean, what, Jacob? You're, you're in the meetings. Um, and I saw an interesting story about said love life uh, after a, a photo emerged in about June, July last year of him, his lovely partner, Rita Ora, uh, and also one of the stars of the Thor uh, movie franchise, Tessa Thompson. She plays one of the Valkyries in there. You'd know her if you saw her beef. Uh, there's a photo of all three of them canoodling on a balcony, leading to rumours that they might be in a thruple. A three-way couple. Your thoughts, please, Beef. Uh, well, I mean, this is uh, this is the new era, so <laughs> whatever makes you happy, um, play on, I guess. Um, I'm going to have to have a look at the said picture now. Yeah, I'll send it through to you. Uh, but you. <laughs> Rita Ora has come out this week, and she has addressed the rumours of a thruple, and she's shot it down. She just said, "Oh, have you ever been out? You know." Had a couple of grins and and feeling quite uh, friendly towards people. You know, you might spend a night out in the smokers area for like an hour and a half and then not even remember that person the next morning. <laughs> she said basically that's what was going on with uh, with her Tessa and Tyker. Do you believe it, Kirsty Stanway? Do you believe her excuse? Well. I hear what she's saying about meeting people uh, in the smokers areas of bars at mm-hmm. whatever time uh, and not remembering them the next day or the next week uh, or the next year. So I understand that side of it. Mm, have a look at the picture, Beef. Mm. I've actually just Googled it. Um, oh, is it reading a bit into a photo, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, so, yeah, uh, read it or uh, not in a thruple with uh, Taika Waititi. She's denied it. She's denied it. But thank you for schooling us uh, all up on what a thruple is. I'll, I'll, keep, you, I'll keep you posted. Keep us posted, please. Keep us posted. I'll try and find an example of one. <laughs> We're not too far away from the 5 o'clock news and sport update. Straight after, we are playing Drive to Survive for a $100 TAB bonus spit voucher. If you need your fix, if you need to top up your TAB accounts, now is the time. Plus, don't forget to text in double eight double three for our teamless Tuesday brought to you by Kennards Hire today. It is Prime Minister's Presidents of the Past or Present uh, and world political leaders. How would you fit them into a first 11? It is summertime, so we're naming a first 11 today, not a first 15. And we- You're listening to The Run Home on SENZ. It has just gone 5 o'clock. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday. Teamless Tuesday today, of course, to get your votes in for who you would like to see in our iconic first 11 political figures, prime ministers, presidents, uh, that sort of realm. Double eight, double three is the number to text through. But coming up on the Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery, we are playing Drive to Survive early today. We jackpotted yesterday, which means we don't just have 50 to give away. We've got a $100 TAB bonus bet voucher up for grabs so give us a bell 0800 150 811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line get on the line get in the pen so that you can win yourself some TAB dollars uh, and top up your TAB account that's what we all need right now Uh, also coming up on the program we've got Nathan McCullum joining us uh, live just after 5.30 to talk all things cricket we talked the Australian Open with James Gray as well quarterfinals coming up tonight actually uh, on right now 
now, the quarterfinals. Uh, plus, we name our first 15, or first 11, I should say, our teamless Tuesday after six, and we have another instant replay. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. This is Drive to Survive. Yes, it is. We're back for another day, day two of 2023 of Drive to Survive with a $100 TAB bonus bet vouchers up for grabs. It is as simple as pie. All you've got to do is be on the phone line 0800 150 811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line and you could win beef. It's simple. Absolutely. You're very generous with your time yesterday. I was and it was a bit of the first day back syndrome, so... Rest assured, people, we won't be so forgiving. Oh, you won't you have won't half be so an hour. Today. No, I'll probably do my imaginary full count when uh, people are starting to think, and uh, then I'll indicate to J Dog back out. in the studio, get him out of here, and uh, on to the next. And, and of course, if you do get kicked off, uh, trying to get an answer out of your head, uh, always hang around because you never know, it could come back to you. But uh, we will start today with the question that stumped them yesterday. We'll start also in the deep south with Brad. Brad, how are we, mate? Yeah, good, babe. Um, question for you. When are you, are you replacing Izzy in the Black Clash next year? Uh, no, I'd, I mean, I've embarrassed myself enough on TV. Um, I don't need to do it in, uh, any more time playing cricket. Uh, I'd love to be part of the management team, though. So if he's if oh. that job going... I'll, uh, I'll sneak in. Oh, you want another weekend away, Beef? Um, <laughs> Ted, Ted, Ted must have your fourth in line again. Yes, well, I'm, yeah, I need to catch up with him and say, who's he, who is in control of his selections as far as uh, helping him out with that team? But anyway, we'll, we'll move on here. Which former NFL player turned ESPN host had a heated exchange with Steve Adams over the weekend? Uh, is it Shannon Sharp? It was Shannon Sharp. That's the one that stumped a few yesterday. So we are now up and running. And, of course, we got some exclusive comments yesterday from the CEO of the Warriors and their new recruitment manager and McFadden. So it was great to have them in studio and staying themed with the Warriors. Who will captain the Warriors this year? Uh, or Tohu Harris, isn't it? It is Tohu Harris, who they let us in on a little little bit of a secret there yesterday, Kirst. Interesting, wasn't a, it? He it said was. he needed to earn it. Oh, he didn't want to just be giving it back. But isn't that the sort of man we want leading our Warriors? Wonderful. Wonderful little story there from Cam George. Question three, still at the Warriors. Who is their coach this season? Uh, Andrew Webster. Andrew Webster and one more question for lap one and we're going to stay in Penrose at the Warriors base. Who have the Warriors announced as their cultural ambassador for 2023? Oh, you've stumped me here. Uh, pass. Front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's starting to shred. It is starting to shred. We're going to move to Hamilton with Jade. Jade, how are we, mate? Yeah, good believe in yourself, mate. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Great to be back. Great to be having a drive to survive again in our afternoons. Question four, lap one here for you, Jade. Who have the Warriors announced as their cultural ambassador for 2023? 
He's actually from Lulu Country, isn't he, Kirst? I'm pretty sure. He is. Just up the way. Yeah, why don't you talk to him? He's a Huntley, isn't he? Why don't you? Yes, he is a Huntley man. One of the absolute heartlands of the uh, the great game of rugby league in this country. Produced many an NRL player. Lap two now with Jade from Hamilton. Question one. Name one of the men's quarter finalists playing in the Oz Open today. Djokovic. His engine has blown. I knew Jade was going to say that curse. It was the obvious one, I know. But he is not playing today. There's obviously four quarter finalists. Four quarterfinal fixtures. Two, two of them. Two of them are on today. We now one go. One currently on. One currently on. We're now in Christchurch, and we're with Tim. Tim, how are you, mate? Very good, thanks. Can you tell me one of the men's quarterfinalists in action at the Oz Open today? Uh, Pass. I have got a sneaky feeling this is Pass's tournament curse. Uh, and you can get some value around him too, just quietly. Question two, lap two, here with Tim. Who did the 49ers beat yesterday? Uh, the 49ers? Oh, I think they beat... Uh... Front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's starting to shred. We have now moved to Auckland. Brenton. Brenton, how are you, mate? Good, brother. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Great game of drive to survive here. Can you tell me who the 49ers beat yesterday? Yeah, I'm sure it's the Cowboys, I think. Sure. America's team, Dallas Cowboys, of course. Knocked them out. And just like that, we're at the last question of lap two. We're getting close now. What NBA... Oh, this is going to test me. Well done, Jacob. Well done, Manoa. What NBA team has acquired Ru Hachimura by the trade today? Hi. Oh, no, mate. Stab in the Just dark. Throw out an NBA team. I'll say the Clippers. His engine oh, has blown. Oh, yeah. So Just close. around it. Just around it. Uh, we, we're back in the Mulu country. We're back with Brett. Brett, how are you in Huntley? I needed that why didn't you call me question. <laughs> well, I know you would have been all over that one. I was all one. over it, Pete. <laughs> I was all over it. Name you know, an NBA team. Do you know who Hachimura uh, is linked up with today? Uh, Washington. This is the worst start for a Grand Prix that I have ever seen. He actually came from Washington. Very close. Oh, the great irony. Curse is telling me we need to do this. We need to go to 150 tomorrow. So tomorrow we're going to be playing for 150. What a wonderful game of Drive to Survive, and it is why it is still the number one rating quiz show on all of world radio. Thank you so much. Thank you for that, Beeve. And we will be back tomorrow for Drive to Survive for the 150. But if one of our amazing listeners is still on the line, we're going to go back to Tim because he's got a cracking yarn for our Teamless Tuesday today. Tim, are you there? I am indeed. Give us your nomination. Uh, Robert Muldoon. Best legend in the game, I reckon. Especially against the Aussies. Would be gold. Would he, where would you put, where would you field him? He didn't strike me as very athletic from the images I've seen. 
No, I think he'd have to be a slip, and he wouldn't he wouldn't go to the boundary very often. But um, when he was asked what he thought about Kiwis moving over to Australia so they could collect a doll because it was worth more money, his comment was, "It's raising the IQ of both countries." <laughs> uh, brilliant. Would he? Would you be happy with a slip cordon of Winnie with the gloves and him at first slip? Do you think that would be quite a tasty little cordon behind the wicket? Yeah, it wouldn't be too bad. Wiley uh, old veterans like that. <laughs> yeah, there would be some chat, as you said. Uh, that's brilliant, mate. Jesus, some texts coming in, Curse. They just keep flying in. Thanks uh, so much for your call, Tim. Absolutely. Speaking of Australia, yes. uh, Jimmy, who can forget John Howe's attempt at bowling in India? Bowled two bounces at his toes. Look at it, look it up on YouTube. I have seen that clip uh, from that Jimmy's alluding to. John Howard, of course, the former Australian Prime Minister. Um, JFK just gets a vote. Um, be a good shot. Be a good shot. It's, it's, oh, no name on that one. That's from, Austra- that's from Australia. That is from Australia. <laughs> that is from Australia. Don't forget, uh, if you call us up on the Makita New Zealand phone line, you can go in to win a $250 Makita New Zealand voucher. We have uh, one to give away every single week right here on The Run Home. And we've got another caller, babe. Hang on, Kirst. We have Richard, how are you? How you going, all right? How you yeah, going, guys? I welcome back. Thanks, mate. It's great to be back. And have, have you got a few suggestions for us right here? Uh, yes, I'm the, uh, I've got a, a, the Arsenal shirt. I've rung you uh, earlier uh, a few times. But my Team 11, wouldn't believe this, uh, yeah, it's taken like, a couple of hours to do this. Uh, openers, uh, Winston, and yes. uh, Margaret Thatcher. Beautiful, powerful, powerful opening uh, batters. Put in number three. Put in number three. That might be uh, a bit dubious, <laughs> as you will know. Uh, number four, Kim Jong Ling, whatever. Yeah, you know who that is. Yes. Uh, then Imran Khan, number five, because I just thought he will settle it all down. <laughs> John Key, all rounder. Yes. And uh, number six, number seven, um, Obama, all rounder. Number eight, Muldoon as a spinner. Number nine, Chloe Swarbrick as a uh, all-round or spinner. Emmanuel Macron as a fastie. And I don't know about the new uh, English Prime Minister, um, Rishi Sunak. Oh, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I'll put him in as a fastie. And Boris is, <laughs> Boris is the water boy. And you won't believe this, Trump and dot-com as the media and managers. <laughs> Richard, that um, <laughs> that that batting lineup of yours, um, very powerful <laughs> middle order. Um, you got a Russian, you got a North Korean, you got powerful. a Pakistan, Pakistani three, four, five. Uh, that is <laughs> that'll be an interesting dynamic in the changing room too, won't it? Yeah, I know. And I wanted to put um a certain person in there who's on the other side of the wall, but I thought. Oh, I don't think he'd want to be there. He might be in the grandstand or something. <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. We really appreciate the effort you've gone to and the explanations. They, uh, that is a special lineup. It's going to take some beating, Kirst, to even 
get close. I'd imagine we're going to have half that lot, to be fair. Yeah, if you want to do what Rich has just done and compile an entire first 11, be our guest, please. This is your teamless Tuesday today. We want to hear your votes. Otherwise, just one or two players in their positions and why, uh, that would be great. Double eight, double three is the number to text on the temper and bedpost text line. We'll be back to the text machine right after this. And we're also talking that tackle height law change. We've been talking about uh, the revised tackle height that they are rolling with in community rugby in England after the Six Nations. Coaches came out today saying it is it is not going to work and it could produce more dangerous injuries uh, than it is worth. We've had some texts in from you as well. PJ says, I think the lower tackle height will improve the game with a lot more chance of an offload or pass less rucks, more open play. It's got to be good for the game and for the players. Um, Sonny Bill came out last week when that rule was introduced and said everyone's just going to be offloading. Arms are free, look out. Yeah, and I actually never thought about it like that, PJ. There is an aspect of a quicker game and never being able to set your defensive line, I guess, if uh, people are always tackling on the waist. I mean, it's always the balancing act, isn't it? Yes, we want a quicker game. Yes, we want a better spectacle, but at what price? Um, because, I guess, as Sonny's alluded to and, and others have alluded to, the fact that you may never see rucks. And, you know, call me old-fashioned and, uh, and boring, but... Love something... a ruck, do you? Well, it's, a, it's rugby, isn't it? It is rugby. Rucks are rugby. Um, and I know they've taken a massive change, even in my lifetime, from what they were at the start of it, where people used to get rucked and use your sprigs, to now where it is, you know, guys get sent off for cleaning someone out anywhere near the head. So... I guess maybe it is the evolution of the game and, and rucks become a more, not as prominent thing, but then how quickly the event turns rugby league. Um, so, you know, it's it's a real balancing act when it comes to it. But yes, PJ, definitely, definitely see that there is some hope that it might uh, speed things up. So there's some positive sides to this yeah. argument as well. Uh, by the way, breakfast tomorrow morning with Izzy and Kempe. They have the guy who started the petition to change the law in England. He is on the program tomorrow morning, so make sure you're listening in to the breakfast show. But on mornings, oh, <clears throat> what just happened Ooh. there? Ooh. I just lost my voice for a second. Uh, on, mo- <laughs> on mornings, Ian Smith, Smithy's sermon, he spoke about it as well, and this is what he had to say. It's quite a good listen. So lowering the tackle zone in rugby is an interesting subject, one which uh, many in and out of the game are weighing in on. On balance, most are thinking the proposed criteria are ridiculous, some suggesting whilst the head area should be freer from target as the ball carrier, the tackler's head will become more susceptible to danger from knees and boots and shins and thighs and hips. That's been the case anyway, though, hasn't it, since uh, the day it was invented? 50,000 people signed a petition in the UK in a matter of days to stop the proposed changes. There's clearly strong feeling against it over there. How will it shape the game? Well, it could well be an offloader's dream, a sunny build-type bonanza. More likely, though, it will be a referee, AR and TMO's nightmare, and the betting-in process could see busy sin bins if the current punishment levels are adhered to. Surely there will have to be more leniency in that direction. There are a lot of old dogs out there who won't adapt easily to these new tricks. What about the ball carriers? Will the fin to the chest, the shoulder, the head be outlawed? I mean, it's contact with the no-go zone, isn't it? And if you want to make it big in the game, you might have to go big in the thighs, the torso area yourself to bulk up bigger than even now. 
A game full of Artie Savias with that massive leg drive with hapless defenders clinging on like the proverbial daisy chain. When it comes to the crunch, by that I mean fully legislating these rules, will the players have a say? Will they have a viable and strong representation? I mean, they are the ones at risk here after all. The game will change immensely and one wonders what will be next. The All Blacks uh, will pick a ripper rugby team, I'm sure, for the next World Cup if this continues. Who will come up with an answer that is in the player's best interest along with the game's best interest? He would have to be a smart man and have more personality than a chair. Hey, Greg Martin. <laughs> Oh, wow, that was just brilliant. He he is something so special, our Smithy, isn't he? There were so many things in the the chair uh, reference, the Ripper rugby team uh, that the All Blacks yes. could turn out at the next Rugby World Cup. Eve, you would have made that, of course. Uh, you, you'd have thought so. You've been going um, on about how you never tackled. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, geez, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's hit the nail on the head in a lot of areas, hasn't he? Um, it is funny, the um, what gets put on the actual... Ball carrier, you know, their responsibilities. But anyway, someone a lot more intelligent than me, I reckon, has got an opinion here. Gig, Gig, how are you, mate? Yeah, Happy New Year, team. Nice to talk to you. It's been a, been a while, so. Happy I'm New sure. Year. Yeah, hey, um, I, Smithy kind of just touched on it. Like, um, I'm thinking more of the officiating side mm, of things. Yes. Like, aren't we trying to speed the game up, or is, like, have. have have they kind of thought about the plan of like how many years it's going to take for everyone to to adapt to it, and then also, you know, so the the amount of head clashes or the amount of concussions, the the numbers are going to come down, or like, um, yeah, just like on paper, it sounds great, lower the tackle height, less head contact, but there's so many things that that kind of follow on from that. So, um, yeah. And, and one Hopefully of we don't go down that track. No, but, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised. And the thing that Smithy touched on, and, and you've alluded to there too, Gig, is the officiating of it. And could you imagine if that ever got into the um, professional game? And, I mean, a professional game these days takes two and a half hours to sit through because we review absolutely every ruck, every try, exactly. every decision that's made. Yeah. Can you imagine if we reviewed every tackle that gets made that was or above the waistline. Maybe the players will have to run little sensors on their uh, hips, and if it goes over, it flashes one colour, and if it doesn't, then it flashes another. I mean, who knows where it could end up? And the, the yeah, exactly, dead right. Um, and also the dominant tackle. You know, I mean, yes. me as a winger and you as a first five, we know, we know dead. You know, we're, <laughs> we know we're, we're experts at the dominant tackle, <laughs> aren't we? So, we are. But. Um, yeah, they're, they're just going to be like clingers on. It, it, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes from it. And um, I'm sure that, you know, maybe after the kind of trial phase, they might kind of look at it again and, and review it. Who knows? Well, essentially, again, Giggy, you touched on another good point there as far as the clingers on sort of stuff. If you watch Sevens, for example, we've just had a weekend of Sevens. Yeah. Sevens is not based on any great defence. You know, and it is the tackling technique is very much, I won't say scrag, but there's an aspect of it. And if you imagine maybe we're going down the track of if you play a game like this, it's going to be 15 men playing sevens, if that makes sense. You know, it's, it could be that style of footy uh, moving forward. But yeah, but it's going to be fascinating. I mean, obviously, we're probably not all going to go away and watch community rugby out of the UK from now on. 
But it's, but it's a trial, big, isn't it? Gigs right. He mentioned the word trial. Things get trialed over in the UK, and, and yep. if it works, it may be something they look to roll out. Yep. And yeah, I just keep coming back to the fact that it's got to be different in the professional game. As, as a as a package, as an entertainment, it's just got to be different. Thanks so much for your call, Gig. Yes. Great to chat. And if you'd like to join the conversation as well, you know the number 0800 150 811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. Also keep the nominations coming for Teamless Tuesday. We've had so much fun with you already. We'll name our team after 6 o'clock. But there's still a few positions available, isn't there, Beeve? We've had a number of uh, votes for a wicketkeeper, uh, yes. a number of spinners, uh, openers. We've got probably, one look, one opener. We've, got a, we've had a lot of batsmen. Uh, mm. A lot of these, a lot of these politicians you're telling us uh, can hang around. Mm. Um, maybe for some, too long. Too long. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're telling us they can hang around. Uh, what we haven't had, and you just alluded to it there, Curse, is we haven't had many quicks. We haven't had many people saying, right, he'll take the new ball uh, and bowl fast for us. So maybe the politicians don't scream uh, fast bowlers. Uh, I don't know if it's an athletical uh, perception or personality, but uh, we need to find somebody or two or three that are going to take the new ball. Give them to us. Give us your fast bowlers. Double eight, double three is the number to text. We'll be back right after this. Here we go. We put the call out, Beeve, and they have answered it. Chris has suggested Judith Crusher Collins as a fast bowler, crushing those toes with deadly Yorkers. Yes, I wondered. I wondered where uh, the, the Crusher Collins fans would, would start to come in. Uh, yes, she's got a. She'd have the attitude too. I'd, I'd have thought. Um, and of course, Imran Khan. Uh, and I know he's, this obviously Texas identified the fact he is an actual cricketer, but he also is a very high-profile politician. He could take the new ball as well, of course. Uh, certainly did for Pakistan, and he's actually got many votes. Uh, Imran Khan. So I guess Imran Khan. Um, Crusher Collins probably a new ball attack that not many people will have ever thought would play together but uh, Teamless Tuesday it froze together some combinations you don't always foresee Keep them coming our way if you have any suggestions for Prime Ministers uh, Presidents of the past, present or maybe ones to come in the future world leaders, political figures, you know what we want in our first 11 today. We need everyone and we need all types of people and players so keep your nominations coming through. Who and where are they playing? Double eight double three is the number to text through on the Temperan Bedpost text line or 0800 150811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. Uh, when we come back we're going to catch up with a man who was front and centre back on the cricket pitch over the weekend for the Black Clash. Team Cricket winning the honours. We've got Nathan McCullum coming right up. This is the Run Home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Smashed by McCullum, and that'll be a much needed boundary for Team Cricket. It was a rankful toss. Swinging into the bat there of McCullum and uh, clearing the man at uh, point, racing to the boundary for four. Yes, uh, that is the Black Clash that was on show for us all to see on Friday night. Team Cricket narrowly beating Team Rugby. Uh, do you think that concept could work if you switched it around? Beaven had the cricketers playing rugby. <laughs> a few of them would go all right, wouldn't they? 
Oh, absolutely. But I don't think anyone on either side would be queuing up for that game um, as far as the actual players. The, the fans might, but I can't imagine retired cricketers would want to play rugby, and I can't imagine retired rugby players would want to play rugby in such a situation. So... I'm not sure that that would really attract the uh, the talent, as they say. Well, you seem to still be putting your hand up as a retired uh, athlete, or maybe you're not retired. Uh, different circumstances, of course, but carry on. Carry well, let's on. bring in one of the stars <laughs> of the show uh, from Hagley Oval on Friday night, former New Zealand cricketer Nathan McCullum. Nathan, welcome back to the program for 2023, and congratulations on the big victory on Friday. What are those days and nights really like on the Black Clash? Uh, great couple of days. Um, you know, great. Uh, it's good to get a, a, a group of people together and um, mutual respect. Obviously, uh, pretty decent sports people around, and uh, yeah, aw- awesome event. Great to be part of it. Now, Nate, obviously, all the reports say that uh, your hand was uh, pretty instrumental in the victory. Uh, can you confirm that Izzy Dag's uh, <laughs> eight-ball, one-run innings was pretty influential in the in the outcome as well? Yeah, yeah, he, he didn't really fire a shot, did he? He was, he was throwing up the order to have a tip. I, I'm wondering whether you're going to take his place next year, Pete. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll be, uh, I'll be probably as uh, fruitful as his uh, batting exploits were. But, uh, mate, Kieran Reid again uh, put on a fine performance. Yeah, he goes all right, didn't he? I, I was actually just talking to a couple of lads in. Yes, he tactically brought himself on at a time where he thought that we might might play a bit more loosely wickets as well. So he, he did that pretty well. <laughs> he, he, was, he was good. And now I want an honest answer here, Nathan. Do you guys do you guys go easy on those rugby fellas? <laughs> uh, it depends how close it is. <laughs> so you let them get a snip, we, eh? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. We, yeah, we sort of don't put the foot down too hard at different times. But... Uh, but yeah, obviously it's all, it's all about a, a great spectacle, and um, it's pretty awesome fun and, and entertaining for the whole crowd. So it's um, it's certainly good to, to have a close game. That's for sure. Now, obviously, last year you had uh, Bondi playing. Obviously, you know, obviously not at the peak of his powers with uh, the back issues. But you, this year you had Chris Martin. Do you ever just sort of sit in the field giggling at the thought of these uh, rugby players uh, and then they see these uh, great Kiwi fast bowlers coming in off the run-up? Yeah, I think, I think uh, they, they like to when they're at the peak. They don't want to at the peak, do they? Um, no, it's not a good question, man. It's, um, it's, it's pretty awesome to see them uh, compete and uh, and smoke it around, and sometimes when they get on a roll, cheapest Caelan Boschia, he can he can hit a ball. Yeah, probably one of the hardest balls I I saw in the in the game. But um, yeah, they've got some decent cricketers, that's for sure. Now, uh, Nathan, where are you? Are you out on the golf course at the moment? Because your reception keeps coming in and out, so we're missing the good juice. <laughs> I, I am actually good. Remy, where is it? I've just I've just playing at the RS, so, um, yeah. It's a pretty mint day up here, and uh, yeah, just uh, to be myself. Oh, absolutely beautiful. What's the new course like up there? Uh, oh, it's pretty amazing to be there. Um, I'm lucky enough to be a member, and it's uh, yeah, it's pretty special. So, um, any chance I get, I'll, I'll try and come up here, and um, yeah, be, being up here for a few days on holiday, so it's uh, it's, it's been epic. So, good to get out today. 
Uh, mate, just uh, why we're uh, why we've got you the Black Caps at the moment. Um, been quite the reaction to game two. Obviously, uh, boys didn't fire off the bat. Yeah, bit of an overreaction in some parts as far as uh, all doom and gloom. It's the, the amount of cricket that's played these days. Sometimes those results are going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, and I and I think the way like you look at the result in the first game, um, three fifty or there and thereabouts um, from both teams. So. I think that just sort of shows the, the style of cricket both teams are wanting to play, and it's not going to come up uh, come off every day, um, and that's clearly what happened on that day. But um, you, you sort of know 200, 220, 230 isn't going to get it done anymore. Um, so, so you've got to be putting some decent scores on the board, and um, they're, they're a decent side in there as well. Uh, and playing in their home conditions, um, they're, they're always a, a tough challenge. So, Look, I think things are going pretty well for the New Zealand side. There's, some, there's certainly some positives that are coming out of it. Um, the way Michael Bradshaw's played and, and put himself in the mix for, for that squad and the, and the team and a number of other guys as well. I, I think they're a, they're a serious unit and uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll be there and thereabouts when it comes to World Cup time too. How much you weight? Know? Oh, sorry, babe, you go. No, I was going to say, when you're talking about that squad and uh, guys putting themselves in the mix, obviously... No, no Bolt and no Salve at the moment. Uh, hugely important that they get to that World Cup. Obviously, Salve's going to be there, but a little bit of doubt over Bolt's situation. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I'm sure Tim will be, be in there. He's a, he's a senior leader. Obviously, the, the challenges with uh, the external leagues and that sort of thing, it's, um, it's certainly a different time in international cricket. And, and I think... Um, yeah, it's a challenge for New Zealand cricket and, and every other international um, sort of uh, association as well to find a balance between um, not not letting every player go in that sense, but also um, but also being loyal to the ones that are sticking around too. So um, I certainly don't envy them in that position. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to do myself, but um, yeah, look, it'd be great to have the, the best side that we've got and, and the best players that we've got on the park and competing for that World Cup, um, however we do that, is, uh, is certainly a challenge that, that the of us. Absolutely, Nathan. Thank you so much for your time. We won't take up any more of it. Get stuck into your beer and hopefully the golf went good today. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Thank Th- you. Thank you so Cheers, much. Mate. Nathan McCullum joining us there from Tiarai Lynx, I presume, the new golf course up there. Great to be able to get him on the programme uh, in between holes. Um, <laughs> but in between are, beers, I think. In between now. beers, yeah. It yeah. is, what, 10 to 6. Have you been up to that new course to play yet, Beef? No, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually due a trip with uh, just our past, um, our past guest, I think. we. Uh, oh, lovely. Well, yeah, well, Do you have to be up? a member and can only take members there or...? How does that yeah, one work? I'm not sure. We actually, well, Nath was actually kind enough to go up his time as an auction item uh, at the Grins uh, tournament, which you were obviously a part of, but I know just at the auction time, um, you probably weren't uh, across all the auction prizes uh, like you possibly What did uh, he put himself up to do? Uh, me, him, uh, Anton, and, uh, and one other going up with a guy, for, with whoever bids the most money in the auction. Uh, what did they pay for up. you, Beef? Oh, look, um, although I knew that auction prize was going, my memory got a bit hazy by the end of the night. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't you just me. Yeah, well, you didn't even know there was an auction. <laughs> you didn't even know there was an auction going down. Tapped out. <laughs> I tapped out after three o'clock, I think, and I'm not sure what time that auction was. Uh, but, oh, that's really cool. That's, yes. um, he's 
great friend of the show, isn't he, Nathan McCullum? And he's right about the Black Caps and other international sides. They've got some challenges coming up with all of these leagues popping up around the world, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. We, and his name uh, escapes me, we talked uh, on last week's breakfast show, actually, we talked to uh, departing CD coach who's picked up the South African uh, white ball white ball gig and, and he was mentioning the same that the fact is there's a save in Mumbai Indians for example they foresee that they'll have five or six teams playing in different leagues and if you're contracted to the Mumbai Indians and that's that's your lot and, crazy and where where the international game fits into that and, and all the rest of it but yeah it, it'll be a shame if we ever get to a point of the cricket that we don't see the the superstars at the 50 over one day World Cup um, tournaments, you know, because Jesus, it is an exciting time when all when all of the uh, big guns are out there. Absolutely, uh, the Black Caps coming up tonight. The third ODI against India. That is from nine pm. Uh, and don't forget the Australian Open quarterfinals are on as well. Uh, Kachanov is up against Quarter seven six in the first set. He's been a bit of a story. That was the run home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Staying in to watch the sport? Let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba! This is The Run Home, all thanks to Rotoflex by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Teamless Tuesday is upon us today. If you'd like to put your votes in, you've got your last chance. Double eight, double three is the number to text. We're talking political figures and we are trying to fit them into a first 11. So keep your votes coming and let us know which positions you think they could play in or which iconic cricketers they remind you of. Would love to hear from you today. Coming up on the Macca's menu. Thanks to Mick Delivery. We'll name our Teamless Tuesday very, very shortly. Uh, we've got the instant replay, of course. But first, we're going to chat a little bit of tennis. We're talking the Australian Open quarterfinals time with James Gray. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Novak, it's a beautiful night for tennis. You're going up against... Alex, who's been playing really well. He beat Rafa Nadal a couple of weeks ago. That's how well he's been playing. A lot of Aussie fans in the building tonight looking forward to a, a great night of tennis, possibly a long night of tennis. Didn't happen. I'm not going to ask you how you beat him so convincingly. I'm going to ask you why you beat him so convincingly. Uh, <laughs> because I wanted to. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you just saw some of the best tennis you will ever see from Novak Djokovic. He's showing absolutely no signs of that injury last night in the fourth round at the Australian Open. To talk about it, James Gray is joining us out of Melbourne at the moment. He reports for Sports News. He's a correspondent for iPaper and the author of Max Verstappen's Born to Race, a biography. James, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. What did you think of that cold-hearted display from Djokovic last night? Well, he's not injured, is he, for starters? I mean, <laughs> if he's doing that with one leg, I hate to see what he can do with two legs. It's absolutely terrifying. It's funny this week, he's obviously come in under this injury cloud that he's been talking about and his hamstring, which we don't really know how, what sort of shape it's in, but he thinks he's getting better. But I've never seen him hit the ball so hard. I've seen Djokovic win a lot of grand slams, as has everyone, and he's always done it in a variety of different ways. But I've never seen him hit it so plainly hard as he has over these... 10 days or so and Alex de Manoel was just the latest victim to be honest it didn't really matter who was at the other end it could have been 
Bjorn Borg and Boris Becker's love child, it would have made absolutely no difference. And, and considering, I guess, on the back of that comment, I'm pretty sure I know your answer, James, but on the back of what you witnessed last night and how Novak Djokovic is playing at the moment, you can't see him being stopped, especially with what's left in the field? Um, I mean, look, he's playing Andre Rublev in the next round, and, and I think Andre Rublev is a fine player. I think he's got a lot of skills. Um, and he's improving every every six months. So every time I see him, Andre Rublev is a better player. But Novak Djokovic is so complete. The, the only thing really that catches up with him is injury, if this really is an injury. And as I say, on the basis of last night, I, I can't see that. He, he could face Stefanos Tsitsipas in the final. I think that is a tricky match for him. Stefanos tends to go very well in Australia. But, I mean, Novak Djokovic owns Australia, as far as I can tell. So, yeah, it's very difficult to see anyone stopping him. I read an amazing story about this young American Shelton who's made it through to the quarterfinals. For you, what do you think the story of the quarters is and can you see any upsets? Um, yeah, Ben Shelton's a, a fabulous story. For, for people who don't know, he, he had never left America before until he got on a flight to come to Australia for the United Cup about three weeks ago. Um, he's also the first NCAA, i.e. college US champion to then go on and make the quarterfinals of the Australian Open six months later since... Arthur Ashe in 1966. Now, you don't get achievements that a guy like Arthur Ashe has put up there and that have stood the test of time without being pretty talented. So the fact that he's there at all is, is a pretty big upset. Um, I think probably him beating Tommy Paul, who, who albeit is an unseeded player, he, he's just about nearly seeded, if you like. I think he's about 40 in the world at the moment and has had some really good results. So that, that would be a shock and probably is the only one I can see. Um, I mean, Yuri Lehechka, again, is another unseeded guy. He's only 21, and, and he's playing Stefanos Tsitsipas. They have played before. They played, actually, in Lehechka's breakout tournament last year in Rotterdam, but Tsitsipas came from behind to beat him and I think is a better player now than he was then. So I wish I could tell you there's going to be upsets galore and Andre Rublev's going to beat Novak Djokovic <laughs> and, and Ben Shelton's going to beat Tommy Paul, but I'm, I'm struggling to see it at the moment. And I mean, obviously, the men's, all, all things are pointing to a Sitsipas Djokovic final. What about the women's? Jeez, there's some, uh, there's some high, high seeds or, or plenty of unseeded players still sniffing around. Obviously, we've still got a few of the, the names at Azarenka and Sabalenka who have been around for, for many a year, but there's certainly some names emerging, isn't there? Yeah, I don't know if the phrase still exists in, in New Zealand, but in England, we might call it a pinsticker's guide to. <laughs> to this draw because it really is just take a pin and stick it anywhere you want and you can make a case. Um, I mean, Elena Rabakina has literally just about half an hour ago booked her place in the semi-finals with a very impressive victory over Elena Ostapenko, who people may remember won the French Open back in 2017 and actually is only 25, despite having been on the scene for a long time. I, I really like Elena Rabakina. She, she hits the ball incredibly hard. Um, her serve gets up to about 122, 123 miles an hour, which wouldn't look out of place on the men's tour. Um, and she obviously won Wimbledon last summer, you know, back in my hometown of London, and probably wasn't very widely appreciated for that because people didn't really know who she was. And, you know, she's from Russia. She was born in Moscow. Her family still live in Moscow. And while she represents Kazakhstan, there was this kind of feeling that somehow it was a bit tainted by her Russianness. I think that's hugely unfair. Elena Rabakina didn't choose to go to war. Um, she did choose to go and play for Kazakhstan because she wasn't getting supported by the Russian Tennis Federation and she's made the best of it. She, she's now an absolute firebrand of a player and is in great form. She's been in great form 
pretty much on and off for the last two years. Um, before the pandemic, she played brilliantly as well. So um, I, I think she's kind of the favourite. Uh, she's obviously already into the semi-finals, which helps. Uh, there are other names in there. You mentioned Victoria Azarenka. She knows her way around Melbourne very well and obviously has won two titles here. But uh, I think Irina Sabalenka in the bottom half is, is the biggest threat. She is unbeaten in 2023. She, a bit like Rybakina, has an enormous serve. She used to hit a huge number of double faults, but seems to have that under control now. So she would probably be my pick for the other side of the final. But, uh, you know, the, the women's draw, it, it's so unpredictable. It's the only thing that's predictable about it is that you don't know what's going to happen. James, it's so get, good to get you on the program and you're so lucky to be over in Melbourne. We're going to live through you for a moment. Have you got a favourite moment or a highlight from week one? Uh, I have to say, getting onto a plane in minus five conditions and getting <laughs> off a plane in 29 degrees was pretty pretty special, the 35 degree swing. Um, moment from week one, it's got to be Andy Murray. Yeah. I, don't yeah. like, I don't like finishing work at 7am, but <laughs> uh, you watch a guy who's 35 years old who was told five years ago he'd never play professional sport again and who I mean you know we obviously have followed Andy's every move for pretty much for the last 15 years and we know what a type of a guy he is and you know we'd we would we would say if he wasn't a good guy I assure you we would happily say it and I can't say it he, he's worked so hard and to watch him win that match and funny enough to then see him come out in the third round and I pretty much followed him around Melbourne for 48 hours after well once I slept uh, after the Kokonakis match, and he couldn't walk. I mean, I, I, I'm not kidding. He could not walk properly. He couldn't get up and down stairs without holding onto the handrail. How he then went out and, all right, he lost, but he won a set, like in a grand slam in the third round. The guy is an absolute machine. I mean, he is technically part bionic, um, <laughs> and he has certainly given me the best moments of, of the first week of the Australian Open, I think. Yeah, I saw people comparing him to the Tin Man, uh, the way that he's still <laughs> able to play considering what his body's been through. How long do you think he will continue to play for? Well, I think it's technically Chrome Cobalt who's joined the <laughs> made from, if we're going to be specific. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. We were talking about this yesterday and we said, oh, do, you, do you think Andy thinks that's his last Australian Open? I absolutely don't think he thinks that. He did not walk off saying goodbye. He walked off saying, ah, if only I hadn't played 12 hours of tennis this week, <laughs> I could really go deep. Um, I mean, he's got four young kids at home, so maybe once they grow up, he'll be happy to, to stop going on tour. But I, I think he's probably got three years. I think that's probably the point at which, because the reality is he's not going to win another Grand Slam. I would love to sit here and say, I think Andy Murray's going to win another Grand Slam, but I think that's not true. But if he gets to the semis, as a, especially at Wimbledon, mm. you know, where he, he, is, he has been the best grass court player in the world at times, and obviously he's the best player in the world full stop at times, but... If he gets to a, a semi-final of Wimbledon, you know, which is what he wants, obviously he wants to win it. But if yeah. he gets that run and, you know, has just one, one last dance to corner phrase, I, I think that'll be enough. But I don't know if that'll happen this year, but it might happen next. And yeah, two, three years. But, you know, I, I didn't think he'd come back the first time. So what do I know? Now, I'm cautious about taking up too much of your time, but you're fascinating. So I just want to ask you one more thing. Uh, away from the tennis court and onto the screens, Beaver has just watched episode one of Breakpoint on Netflix, the documentary. Uh, have Ooh. you seen it? And do you think it's accurate? And have you come across anyone more interesting than Nick Kyrgios? Um, yeah, interesting is one word. Uh, <laughs> I, Nick has a habit of, finding my tweets about him and having a go at me which tends to create something of a stink online but 
Uh, I think we're friends now, uh, maybe. <laughs> I think he, he is a character. He has a lot of flaws, obviously. I think, if I'm honest, I think episode one of the Netflix documentary is a bit of a whitewash. I think it really portrays Nick as this much misunderstood and just wonderful bloke. Um, he's not completely whiter than white. I think we all know that. Everyone in Australia knows that. Uh, I don't know how much your lawyers will allow me to say about that more. But um, he, Have we got I good lawyers? <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, I think the TV program is a bit of a whitewash. He does feature in the, the second half. There's five more episodes to come in June. Uh, I know they followed him around Wimbledon, where he obviously made the final. I, I don't know how much you'll, you'll get of you know what people don't like about Nick Kyrgios, of mm. which there is plenty. Um, I, I personally, I was a bit disappointed. I, I, I got the show on preview, so I watched the five episodes, and I, I didn't feel I learned a huge amount more. But you know, this is this is like Drive to Survive. This is not a show for me. I, I'm a tennis journalist. I probably know more about tennis than 99% of people, um, and that's not a boast. It's kind of sad, actually. Um, but I think this is aimed at people who don't know tennis, and yeah. if they enjoy it and it means they get involved in the sport, go out and play the sport, watch the sport, then. Yeah. And great, and you know the guys who make Drive to Survive, they, they make all the, the great sports documentaries. They tend to know what they're doing, so I won't spend too long telling them how to do their job. Well, James, it's been wonderful chatting. Thank you so much for giving up your time and letting us pick your brain about the great sport. And enjoy the rest of the week in Melbourne. My pleasure. Uh, hopefully, no more of this rain that you've just sent over from New Zealand. <laughs> it's definitely not coming from us. Maybe look out at the Pacific. <laughs> it's beautiful uh, okay. over here. Uh, all right. Sure, Thank sure you thing. so much, James. Much. James Gray joining us from the Australian Open. He works for Sports News as a correspondent for iPaper. Uh, and he also wrote Max Verstappen's Born to Race, a biography. Look him up online. Go and have a look at some of these tweets that he's talking about. Now I'm curious, what has he been saying about Nick Kyrgios and what has Nick been biting back? Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be quite, a, quite interesting. Um, fascinating, fascinating interview that. Andy Murray? Uh, yeah, and and I, and I couldn't help but think when he was talking about Andy Murray, we were talking, I'm trying to think who we talked to yesterday about Joey Parker. It's the same scenario. Like, Andy Murray loves playing tennis. Yeah. And, and he's still good it. enough to make it through a few enough. rounds of the majors that people don't get to in the first place. Absolutely. And and as um, as James mentioned, he, he'll make a run of it at Wimbledon. Um, very good grass court player at home. The whole Brit thing, he'll be swept up in it. And he might get through to the quarterfinals or the semifinals. He probably knows deep, deep, deep down that he's not going to win another major, as, as James alluded to. But if you can have those sorts of moments, why not? And then, like, when you compare it to what we were, you know, talking to, um, I think it was Ben yesterday, about um, about Joe Parker's career. Well, if he's going to be there or thereabouts again and possibly getting a title fight, why are people even suggesting that it's time to stop? You know, you're a long time retired. So, absolutely, uh, Andy Murray. I knew Andy Murray would have been his story of the first week, Kirst. Oh, uh, being, being I told Brit you Howard. I watched that, that opening match that he played, and that was something else. That made me fall in love with Andy Murray. Yes. And I haven't been a big fan of him in the past, but you, do, I was just willing him on. You just wanted him to go through. Absolutely. And, and, and it would appear that James, and he might be biased being a Brit, but he he's appears, a good guy. He's a good guy. And you know, pull uh, the curtain back a little. And Nick Kyrgios, who you fell in love with on the episode oh. one of Breakpoint, you said he seems like a good guy. It's all a ruse. <laughs> it's smoke and mirrors, Beef. Listen to James. He said he is not in all of Australia, and the tennis world knows it.
There you go. We didn't see the real insights there. Whereas Drive to Survive, they actually take you behind the scenes, right? The arguments, the... I must admit, considering I'm um, front and centre of the greatest uh, greatest quiz show on radio in the world, and we, or they borrow Drive to Survive off us, I need to go watch this Drive to Survive. I oh, still you've never watched, watched it. it? No. I didn't really get into it. My, I'm not a Formula One fan. You, you're not? Nah, not, really. Nor am I. And people say you don't have to be a Formula One fan. It creates Formula One fans out of it um, okay. because of all the controversy and the relationships and the money and uh, all these characters. GT watched it. I couldn't get into it. And I don't know and if he, it's because I was coming in and out of it. He wasn't waiting for me to, to watch episodes. And so I just didn't get hooked on it. Whereas everyone else I know love it. Well, it might have to be my new option for helping me to fall asleep at night. Drive to survive. Might, four seasons of it. It's a long. Well, I'll watch you're in one. for the long haul. I'm with you on that one, Kirst. It, it just didn't get me. I, yeah, I, can I, understand. Understand. I, I had so many friends who all of a sudden were Formula One guys, and <laughs> you know what I mean. They're all of a sudden. Like, oh, did you see the action on Sunday? I'm like, you've never once watched this before. <laughs> so I sat down to watch a few of the episodes too, Kirst, and it was good. It's a good documentary, good drama. Um, and Jacob was just saying to me then, like, you should watch it as a drama, and that's how I think a lot of people got sucked into it. It just didn't get me. Mm. I don't know what it is. I think I'm tapped out on sports. I can follow that closely, you know. There's too many. Too yeah. Many. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, well okay. you you give it a try, Beef, and you yeah. let us know what you think. You seem I'd to get sucked that. in quite easily, so <laughs> no, you'll, probably, you'll be a big fan. And next, you'll be I talking need... up uh, Hamilton, not Verstappen. Well, I need to, I need to um, track down how my mate with the old uh, wild crocs gone and how that court case is going. Um, he sucked me into his Netflix doco, and I don't What's know that where, one? the the wonderful one that I was alluding to pre Christmas, uh, the Croc Country, uh, the Australian who makes this, like he flies around um, rehoming big crocodiles in the Northern Territory, and then one thing led to another, and I found out that he's actually up on a manslaughter charge because uh, his best mate, um, he put him up in the sling, which those who are fans of the show, it was about number top two or three on Netflix there for a while. Um, the slings, which they, underneath a helicopter, take these crocs around and relocate them. We had his mate in one of them, and um, and he passed away. So oh. I, I don't know where that situation's at, because that soured things for me. So now he's in court. Sorry, what was, this, what was this one called? I missed the Wild Croc or Croc, croc country? country? Yeah, Croc Country. Oh. What were you that guys doing pre That was not top two on my Netflix list, I'm not going to lie. I tell you no, what. No, 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 across New Zealand. You know when it gives you a top ten? It was, it was, it was highly ranked. You were the only highly one clearly watching Netflix before <laughs> no, Christmas. No, we had people, we had listeners. Were you guys even listening to some of my rambles pre-Christmas? Clearly not. You're on the break. For show. I'm not That's listening to you right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they chuck a crocodile on the track at Formula One, maybe it'll get me. <laughs> Just on what? Netflix, though, um, before we went off for our break, you said watch Welcome to Wrexham. Fantastic programme. Finished it all, and there's another season coming out. Oh, yes, I know. I can't wait for season two. Yeah. It's, uh, it gets me hooked. I follow Wrexham football every weekend now. Do you? I look for their, for their results. I'm a fan. Um, yeah, I'm a fan. It's, it's wild territory. Is what the uh, the Netflix I was alluding to. Croc country sounds better. Yeah. Well, just while we're talking motorsport, what was the animal that w- walked across the track at um at the V8 Supercars at Bathurst last year, Beef? What is it, Beef? Uh, An achinda. Yes. <laughs> that was a dirty little achinda. Dirty little achinda. The achinda. Mm, stay with us right here on the run home. We'll be back. Plus, Teamless Tuesday. Keep them coming. We're about to name our first eleven. What more do you have? <laughs> 
This is The Run Home on ECNZ. All thanks to Mick Delivery. Great to have you joining us today. Um, also, how good a chat was James? Great insights, but I guess that's what you get when you're on the tennis circuit uh, and a journalist for so long, right? You get to know these players intimately. Their backstories, their lives, everything about them. Yep, and you, you probably see them on their bad days and their good days. Uh, hence why you probably... Make up, a, make up some opinions about uh, what sort of people you're dealing with. Well, I mean, you knew who the good journos were and, and who the journos were that you didn't like, and I, I presume all of these tennis players, it's the same for them. These journos would travel the world, they're in the press yeah. conferences, they know the good ones, they know the ones they want to talk to and who they don't want to talk to, who they don't have any time for. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you somehow brought back up that controversial part of last last season on the run home. where uh, Controversial? Journos, what? Did I miss yeah. something? Oh, well, a few of those journos you're, you're, you're referencing, you know, popped up again. Um, so what happened? <laughs> oh, well played. Funny enough, um, they're happy enough to take our take our chat when uh, the news is slow on there. And there <laughs> good, isn't it? I actually hey? saw that you were quoted in the paper a few times last week. <laughs> yeah. I said to myself, oh, hang on, I thought you guys were boycotting. Anyway. <laughs> Not last week. <laughs> Not last week. You needed some news. <laughs> and you gave it to them. There you go. Be Thanks delivered. for listening, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for those that don't know what we're talking about, sorry, but we actually can't. Um, no, we can't disclose this. We can't disclose <laughs> it otherwise. The lawyers said we can't. <laughs> yeah, I think that is one for an NDA, isn't it? A non disclosure agreement. Uh, but we'll move on because Teamless Tuesday is here. Final votes. Our final votes have come in. Adam says, surely we have the great man Winston Churchill at three and captain to rule them all. He did give a great speech, Winston Churchill, didn't he? But yes. most of these political leaders are wonderful speakers. Yeah. They're all make good captains. Very good captains, very good changing room. Changing room chat would be. Imagine the rain delays. Um, there'd be some fascinating yarns Debates go going down. on. Oof. Possibly get a bit heated, especially if it was Richard's team. Richard's <laughs> team was. Um, did he have Putin? Yes, he did. Tim John yes. and Imran Khan. Yeah, he did. Three, four, five. Yep. And then, you, and then you've got the, the cool, calm, and collective John Key coming in at six. Mm hmm. Wow, that was, that was some line-up there at one stage. We've got another uh, vote in for Winston Peters. Winnie, opening bowler and captain. He can make a short, sharp impact, then bugger off to fine league and not take much <laughs> more contribution to the game until he decides when to bring himself back on so everyone remembers he's still around. The kingmaker, remember, it wasn't too long ago, he was the deputy prime minister of this country. Absolutely. And I think he had a stint, as promised, when uh, Jacinda was on Baby eternity. Yes. yes. Maternity? No. Is it called maternity? I think mother is maternity, father is paternity leave. Yes. Yes, so, so maternity. Uh, also, uh, here's uh, something for you which is just coming up. It may even be breaking news to those that haven't heard it, but Kayla Johnson, she's Johnson now, not Kayla Cullen, our silver fern defender mid-quarter, is yes. pregnant uh, due in July, which means she is out of the Netball World Cup in uh, South Africa this year. That's big. Would have she been there? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Sean Johnson's yes, partner, of yes, course. So they're having yes, another baby. And a big congratulations to the Johnsons. Uh, they've already got one little girl and they've got another one on the way as well. So fantastic news for them. Right. This is it. We've got our final news and sport update with Johnny Mac. And then we are naming this first 11 that you have so wonderfully voted on. Yes. Our iconic political figures as iconic cricketers. That is coming right up.
short ball, Bevan moves back and pulls Pearsley past square leg. Powerful stuff, and so too is our Teamless Tuesday today, brought to you by Kenart's Hire. You can win a Kubota excavator with Kenart's Hire. All you've got to do is jump online, kenards.co.nz is the website to visit. If you want to be in with a chance to win a 1.7 tonne Kubota excavator, visit kenards.co.nz. This is your Teamless Tuesday, brought to you by Kenart's Hire, and it's powerful because it's all about political leaders, world leaders, political figures, politicians, prime ministers of the past, the present and potentially future ones as well. We've been talking local mayoral candidates and it has been voted by you. It has been a sensational day at the crease. We're naming our first 11 and I'll hand it over to our selection committee chair. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much and, and what an intro. And yes, we had a we had a thousands of texts uh, from all sorts when it came to the political leaders. And I tell you what, it's the team we've actually landed on, uh, powerful, but also there's a real aspect of Kiwiness about it. Um, so there's many Kiwis who have made this world 11 uh, of political power houses and uh, of varying, varying walks of life, but all will make a wonderful first 11 of politicians here. So without any further ado, we're going to start at the top of the order. And uh, Winston Peters, he was... Voted in early by myself as the keeper. He still keeps that um, role, excuse the pun, but he also will open the batting. Uh, he is hard to get out of here, no doubt about it. So he will be one opening batsman. Um, he will also be partnered with, uh, and again, this is this is really in my wheelhouse as far as pronunciation goes, but uh, Zelensky. Um, Zelensky? Yes. President Zelensky. Who can uh, who can stand up to a few things, no doubt about it. So the new ball should hold no fear at all. Um, Gandhi comes in at number three, uh, popular vote for many. Uh, Rob Muldoon comes in at number four in the glamour position of the batting lineup, but also a lot of a lot of votes for him to be in the slip quarter. Um, Kieran McNulty, who was a, uh, a nomination from BP. Uh, our great TAB correspondents, and uh, he, he a very handy cricketer by all accounts, but also we need a bit of youth in this team. Uh, we really do. So he comes in at number five. John Key, the key all-rounder. Again, excuse the pun there, but he'll be at six. Um, brings a bit of calmness to the lineup. Uh, Jerry Brownlee, uh, who will field at bat pad, um, much like David Byrne, apparently, was a few suggestions. Uh, so Jerry... I uh, hope you're well if you're listening and uh, don't take too much uh, insult out of that one. Uh, number eight, Tim Shadbolt. Again, uh, someone who is very hard to get out. Uh, batting down the order, but they reckon that the tail can wag around him because he's just going nowhere. Uh, Jacinda, our wonderful Prime Minister, who's now departing us, uh, who inspired, well, who, her decision to sp- inspired this this day, this team list in particular. Um She's been picked for a variety of things, uh, swing bowling, but also a spin merchant. Um, so she 
She makes the team. She'll be batting at nine, but predominantly picked as a spinner. Um, there was a real, a real lack of opening quick bowlers uh, halfway through the show, and, and we put the call out, and uh, they came, they came crushing in for uh, Judith Crusher Collins to bowl her quick Yorkers crushing toes was the uh, phrase used. And number eleven, we go across the ditch for this one. And this one's actually John Howard, uh, the famous Prime Minister of Australia from a few moons ago. But is equally famous as being Prime Minister was a bowling clip of him, which, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's horrific. He was in <laughs> India, um, obviously spreading the good word of Australia and, and the cricket game. And he would have bowled a delivery that would have bounced four or five times on his half of the pitch. It wasn't pretty. Um, but, yeah, John Howard... He's, uh, he's going to come in and bowl a few more bounces for our first 11. Very good. Well done. Thank you very much for that, Beaven. Thank you to all of you for putting together our Teamless Tuesday today. All thanks to Ken Artire. It was so much fun, as it always will, and we will do it all over again next Tuesday.